Combo Nation, do they hear us now? Good! <laughs> what up? What up? What up, everyone? Don't forget to rate, review, punch down on that subscribe button, and welcome to episode 354 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Today's show, Kyle Tuggy of Kenneth Hoops joins in to talk Wolves basketball, and more. We discuss Pat Beverly's impact, and I share when I think Anthony Edwards will be in the MVP mix. We also talk about the Rookie of the Year conversation and more. A fantastic conversation with Kyle. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Man, how was the coffee this morning? That's good, man. I'm still still kind of putting it in the system, but thanks for giving me a little time. Most definitely. How many cups a day? Oh man, is this recorded? Probably like <laughs> four to five. Oh, not not Jimmy Butler stuff, but still still a good number. Man, yeah, I would say I have two. I try and make it one and a half, but I try for two. I try for two. I don't know. There's like. Different reports. Some people say coffee's good for you. Some people say right. coffee's bad for you. Who knows, man? Yeah, no, I mean, you're an athlete. You know, like, I'm just a guy who can dribble. So <laughs> I just, I need as much caffeine as I can to stay awake. But uh, no, I appreciate it. It's uh, early out here on the West Coast. It's like 730. So I'm glad we could talk hoops a little bit to start my day. Most definitely. All right. So this all ties into the Wolves. So stick with me. This year's MVP, in my opinion, I predicted it to be Jokic. I think it will be Jokic. Yeah. If Luca comes in shape next season, I believe it will be Luca. And then the year after, I believe Anthony Edwards will be in the mix. Do you feel that he could get to that impact level of player by the year 2023? Yeah, we are, you know, from a Timberwolves side, from our fan base, we kind of look at the John Moran thing, right? I think it's his third year. And if you look at his numbers, I think he averaged like 17 his rookie year, 19. Then he took a leap. It's like 27 in that third year. And now the Grizzlies are, you know, you can't win MVP if your team doesn't win basketball games. So that's kind of the hope for Ant, right? He averaged close to 17 his rookie year. He's averaging 19, I think, or so 20 this year. But we're hoping that next year he takes that 27-point-a-game leap. But the defensive stuff this year has been what gives you hope because you can't just win MVP as just a score. You got to be the most valuable player. Um, so I think if he can continue to, you know, be more productive on the offensive end. At some point, this franchise probably leans into him a little more as Carl gets a little older. I mean, they, they, they have, we have, we talk about these two timelines on our end, but um, you know, if he becomes kind of the face of the franchise come 2024 um, and he's a two-way guy, there's no reason he can't be in the MVP discussion, but the MVP talk, man, is so hard. Like Jokic is your guy. Jokic is my guy. The guys that aren't going to win it are elite. So it's like a lot of good players. It's just, can he navigate his way up to the top? I think he will. I think he'll definitely be in the mix by then. You mentioned Carl. Um, it's great to have you on because I believe Carl and the Wolves are having an underappreciated season, in my opinion. How close of the level do you believe Cat is to like a Jokic and an Embiid? Like one ring away on, on a proverbial ladder. Um, yeah. 
I mean, they, they were all in that same pile for a while. And then those two guys kind of exploded as their teams got better though, too. Right. They started winning games. Um, I think it's been great. You know, I know you follow all the teams closely, but like for Carl, um, he's had a couple tough years. I mean, not just with the loss of all the people due to COVID, but just that Jimmy Butler thing kind of stained his name. Um, and he was, you know, if he was a stock, we always joke about that. His stock was pretty low, which is crazy as a former number one pick. So he has obviously blossomed. He's going to probably be all NBA, but more than anything, man, you see it too post and pregame on these quotes and these zooms. He's just happy. He likes playing basketball again. And that's a uh, more than anything, really cool to see. He likes coming to work. He likes staying late. He likes mentoring the young guys. So it's been a really cool to see him kind of re re put himself out there into the NBA landscape and, and have some respect. That you, that's interesting. You mentioned that he's happy because I real first realized that Kent loved basketball this might sound a little crazy, but during the three-point contest, just because of <laughs> how happy he was that he won that contest. Like, you got to love ball to have that level of passion in a three-point contest. Not saying the three-point contest doesn't mean anything, but you could just see the joy oozing out of him on that night. Well, it helped, too, because I think a couple of weeks before, he had uh, he streams a lot on his YouTube channel and stuff, and he had made that comment about how he's the best shooting big man of all time. And the entire yeah. city of Dallas moaned. Uh, thinking about him compared to Dirk, but I, you know, he's just a confident guy. And then for him to go out there and, you know, out shoot a bunch of guards really in the three point contest, he was pretty proud of it. And you can poke holes at it, but he's a proud guy who's been through a lot of stuff. Um, and I think he's really reveled in the fact that, you know, they talk about him on ESPN now during the day, like they, they yeah. kind of have more respect for him again. I um, mean, he deserves it again. He was a former number one pick and his team's winning for the first time, really sustainably, in his career they had the jimmy butler year but that was a dumpster fire so uh it's cool to see him get respect again and it's cool to see him you know talk a little smack patrick beverly has been like a odd uncle in his ear just being like hey it's okay to flex on people it's okay to you know say a little stuff that it's going to get bleeped out in you know videos <laughs> so uh he, he he's he's really replanted himself he's only 26 he's going to be up for a massive contract extension this summer so i think the vibes for him are pretty good yeah, that's interesting because I heard Pat Bev talking on the JJ Reddick podcast a little bit about Cat, <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, Cat shoots like his ten to twenty jump shots before the game." How does it feel, Cat? Good, always good, you know. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that he's was got, hilarious. He's got he's got a little swagger to him, and I think too, like Carl is a pretty, I wouldn't say nerdy. I think he's just a nice, chill guy who is was pretty humble. But when you have Patrick Beverly in your right ear, and you have Anthony Edwards in your left ear. I mean, it's impossible to not just, I mean, Ant just leaks swag wherever he walks around and he just leaks confidence. I think that's helped Carl too, to just be like, okay, you know what? It's okay to be myself a little bit. It's okay to just tell other people that I'm good at basketball. Yeah. Speaking of that, I mean, that Ant um, interview you have pinned up on your Twitter, hilarious because he compliments the dude, but then he's like at number two. <laughs> He, uh, he, I mean, he, the, the best part about him, and I know you'll appreciate this because you, you do this and like, you don't want PR to get to him. Like you don't want him to start saying those just like, 100%. you know, you just don't want him to start saying the things that people want him to say. And that's, what's beautiful about him. He just doesn't think he's very smart. I mean, he's only 20. He can't legally drink with us yet, but he like knows basketball and he knows what to say there was something in his rookie year where they were like interviewed him after the game and he just straight up was like we wanted rj barrett to shoot we didn't think he could make it like you don't hear guys say that but it was really refreshing to hear him say that so after wins he's a loose cannon in a good way he's respectful like like he did with anthony simons like he respects 
Anthony Simon's game, but he's like, hey, listen, there's only room for one ant in the NBA, and that's me. So his confidence is on another level. That's what makes him special. And for a lot of people in Minnesota, he saved the fan base. Like, yes, Carl has come around, but without Ant and that kind of injection of youth and excitement, um, that's how you market guys, right? You don't usually buy shoes of a big guy or you don't really market big guy. I mean, I know Embiid and Jokic, and that's kind of revolutionized, but um, kids want to be Anthony Edwards. They want to act like him. They want to rap like him. They want to wear his shoes. And uh, he's just been a great, great kind of rebrand for this Timberwolves organization. Most definitely. You mentioned Ja earlier, and I think him and Ja are just super marketable, and they're the future of this NBA, in my opinion, along with Luca and Giannis. Yeah. I mean, there's so many guys, but... Yeah, no, it's just great. I mean, how cool is the NBA right now? Like, not, yeah, not to great. put it from the Timberwolves, but it's just like... Oh, it's great. I was I was listening to some MVP discussion yesterday, and it's like, yes, yeah, so like, just think about, like, that Embiid and Giannis, let's just say Jokic wins. Like, those guys, I've been watching... I've probably watched, like, 50 Nuggets games, like... Those guys are not going to win. That's crazy. <laughs> like, there's just so yeah. much talent at the top, which is kind of why it makes it harder sometimes to kind of break through. But, um, you know, Ant hasn't regressed this year. He's had some knee stuff, which has always scared us. But no one thought he could defend. I mean, he's only drafted two years ago in 2020, but no one had, you know, two-way player on on his report card. So I think it'll be interesting to see um, just another year with Chris Finch. Chris Finch, our head coach, is like, we think of him as a wizard. Um, he is the, probably the best coach that organizations had since Flip Saunders. And other than that, there's been really no great head coaches. Tibbs was awesome, but he also just burned the place down on his way out. So just let Finch keep marinating with the young guys. Um, and it, it seems like the first time that we're sustainable and that like, hey, we'll probably be in this playoff picture again next year. And that's crazy for us because we have we're not used to winning. Yeah, I agree with you when it comes to Chris Finch, because I remember watching the Timberwolves play early last season and Anthony Edwards. I mean, I was I've been high on Anthony Edwards pre-draft for a long time. Like it's well documented and just seeing him like stuck in the corner. Like I felt like when I was watching, I heard some Timberwolves guys. I've had Timberwolves guys on my podcast before, not players, media members. And they were telling me that wasn't the case. But that's what I saw when I was watching Timberwolves game. He he was like stuck in the corner. And then when Finch came he kind of had more opportunities with the ball and that's when he really started to get going. No, it was, no, you were spot on. He was 100% buried in the corner. Um, Ryan Saunders who took over after Tibbs was just kind of like, it was so bad with Tibbs. We just need someone who was a nice guy. And Ryan Saunders was a great guy, but he was strings in his back from Gerson Rosas telling him what to do. Mm. Um, and Ryan Saunders had the emphasis of player and players coach, but he had the de-emphasis in coach. He just didn't have the chops yet to do it. Um, great guy. He'll probably bounce back into the league at some point, but Finch has just found ways to unlock and get the floor spread more. Yes. He puts Carl in 42 different spots. Uh, his, I mean, his sets are for a basketball nerds. It's the closest thing to basketball porn there is. Um, <laughs> it's, just, it's just such good movement and flow, but yeah, with Ant, he's like, we got to get you moving more because if Ant's not included and he's not involved, I mean, he's still a young kid. And I'm sure you remember this plan when you were playing, like if you're not involved from multiple plays and stretches, you just kind of zone out, you know, like it's a screensaver in your mind. So I think that Finch has made sure we got to get him touching the ball. We got to get him on the best player on defense. So he's activated and it's just brought up his game to a whole nother level. To your point right there. That's why I feel the modern NBA is going away from like heliocentric basketball. Mm. And if you're good enough, if you have a good enough player of that type, you could still get it done like a LeBron, like a Luca, like you could even say a Trey, right? Like there's yeah. possibilities they could win. But when you look at the Memphis Grizzlies and everybody's touching the ball and it's quick hitting offense 
it's just an easier style of play for everyone. And it's more conducive for winning. Yeah. That's, that's an elite point, actually. Touche to you. Like, like the, the Mavs and Hawks pulled off, right. With their kind of just ball dominant guy. Right. And I was listening to the, uh, I was listening to Andrew Bogan on Ryan Rosillo's pod. And he was just talking about when Steve Kerr came in for Mark Jackson, Steve Kerr, all, his like, first thing was we just, we want to get our passes up and they were like tracking passes per possession. Um, and just, I mean, again, as we, two guys who played basketball at different levels, mine was at LA fitness, but like, it's just <laughs> nice to touch the ball. Like you don't want to go five or six time possessions down the court and not touch the basketball. So Finch has really instilled that. Let's just get guys touching the ball. And like, if you don't know what to do with it right away, split second and then make a pass, you know, just do something with it. But it just kind of keeps everyone engaged because it, I don't know, the, 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 the Mavericks are amazing to watch, but I don't know if I could do it because I just don't know if I could just sit in the corner and just pray that the ball comes to me. Like, it'd be so hard to have a rhythm. Um, They pull it off well, but that's not, that's not the way that I would want to play. It's not the way the Timberwolves play. And it, it is fun to see them just kind of all be engaged on the offensive end. So the ESPN future rankings came out and it was, a, it was a little bit confusing because their power ranking is higher than their future ranking, but they have a future MVP in my opinion, which is really interesting. And they have cat and they have a nice big three. So, and, and the timelines, I mean, you mentioned there's a little bit different of a timeline, but they're all really young. I think Pat Bev is the only guy in the rotation, maybe over 30. So where do you land on that? Pat Bev's the only guy in the rotation over 30. Pat Bev's the only guy on the team signed through next year that's over 27. I mean, wow. Kat and D'Lo are 26. Then it kind of goes down to like Jaden McDaniels and Ant are 2021. 20, Vanderbilt just turned 23. You feel like he's been in the league for a, a decade, but it's like he hasn't. Um, right. But no, the, the, those franchise rankings, again, um, the cool thing about the Timberwolves is if you go to basketball reference and look at record by year, you're going to see a lot of 20 and 62s for the whole mm -hmm. franchise. So like, they're gonna, the Wolves are going to blow past their Vegas predictions this year by 10 or 12 games. We're just happy to be here. Like, I, I, I have some good friends that live in Sacramento, so no offense to them. But I always say, like, we're just so damn happy to not be the Kings. So what like were the they doing with that trade? What were <laughs> so, like, they the, doing? So, like, the fact that we're just in the middle of it this time. I mean, I think the Wolves were, like, 29th last year in the franchise stuff. So just the fact that we're getting some respect, we're totally cool with. Um. And then if we can do it again for another year, then maybe we'll puff our chests out a little bit. But just to not be at the bottom of the barrel is like real, real good feelings for people like us, because we're at this time of April 5th, every year we are so into Tankathon and trying to figure out exactly how many ping pong balls we got. No one on our fan base even has been to the website yet. So we have no idea who's in the draft, when the draft is. We're just like excited about this playing game and hopefully advancing. So, yeah, let's stay on the old guy of the team. You mentioned that he pumps Ant up with confidence. What else has been his impact alongside toughness, pumping Ant up and uh, everything else? I mean, I don't know if uh, this is so embarrassing again, because, again, the bar for us is just above the ground. But, I mean, Patrick Beverly is pretty close to having his jersey retired because he's just he has <laughs> changed the culture for this team by, like, it's the stuff before. I mean, when Carl dropped, I think it was 60 against the Spurs a couple of weeks ago. Um, there was just this little thing, but like Pat wouldn't let anyone get off the bus before Carl. He's just like, Carl, you get off the bus first. You killed it. Like you were the guy tonight. And then when he got off the bus, he made everyone stand up and clap for him. Sounds kind of nerdy, but you've, you've been on teams. Yeah, you've had I mean, teammates, like all the stuff that we don't see on social media that we don't hear about in the athletic. That's the stuff that builds chemistry. And this team has had never had more confidence. I understand they haven't really done much in terms of like the playoffs, but They've also just never had confidence. Like if it fizzles out, it is what it is. 
but they've never broke internally. Like Torian Prince didn't play for like six weeks. And now he's like probably one of the five most important players on the team. Because again, he just locked into the system. He believed in Chris Finch. He believed in the chemistry. So, and that all starts with Pat Bev. I mean, he just is a different human being. His favorite player, as I'm sure you know, growing up was Kevin Garnett. He -hmm. wanted to wear 21 when he came to Minnesota, but he he couldn't because at some point we'll get this right and we'll get it hung up in the rafters. So he's the closest thing this franchise has had to Kevin Garnett. He's like his young son. Um, and he's completely shifted how these guys approach basketball and he's made them understanding. And this is your job. This isn't like awesome that you get paid millions off for. This is your job and you need to treat it like a job. And it's trickled down to everyone from the starters, to the bench, to the marketing department, to the coaching staff. And it's been just fantastic. Best case scenario for this postseason for the T-Wolves. I swear to God, this is the one answer. Like I, I kind of, I don't want to say I represent the fan base, but as a fan, I speak for the fans. Just get through the plan. It really is just get through the plan. Um, again, going back to that John Morant Grizzlies, you know, analysis or a- analogy, like they got pummeled by the Jazz last year in the playoffs, four to one. Like it was yeah, a pretty yeah. quick five game series. They came in the offseason, they licked their chops, they swapped out centers, right? Like they sent out Valanciunas, got Stephen Adams, just kind of shifted some things the way they did it. And now they're killing it. The Wolves just need a series, not the play in, but a series to just understand what playoff basketball is like, what adjustments are like game to game. That's it. So whether it be 7-2 against against Memphis, 8-1 against Phoenix, um, even if they get swept, it's really okay. They just need playoff reps to figure out what they've got because this summer for us, new ownership, Sashin Gupta, the interim president, he might not be back. I mean, he's an interim, so we'd love him back, but that's a big change. D'Lo, Cat, contract extensions, like they're just so much. We got to know what we have in the kitchen. Speaking of the summer, what roster moves would you like to see them make in terms of type of players that you'd like to see them acquire? We still like you and I would get seven or eight rebounds for them right now. Like they still can't <laughs> rebound. Right. So just getting more big guys. I mean, again, I think when Gerson Rosas built this a couple of years ago before he was fired, like he was all in on small ball. And I think we've, you know, two of the three top, I mean, hell, if you want to call Giannis a big, like the three top guys for MVP are all guys who are seven footers. So the Wolves need, they have Conley Towns, they have Nas Reed, but then after that, it's real thin. Um, they just need more size. They, they've tried to find that power forward. Maybe Vando is it, but just adding more size. They have a lot of shooting. Uh, they have a lot of defense, re-signed Torian Prince, but just finding more big guys that can kind of help prevent Cat from having to bang so much. And Cat's in foul trouble every night of the year. So just finding more guys to kind of throw around Carl to protect him. Yeah, I think Nas Reed's... Uh... His talent is underappreciated. That guy is super talented for his size. I actually got to watch him work out pre-draft a few years back, and I'm like, this dude is big. He can shoot the ball. He's athletic. Man, that guy, he, he could really play. So you really you watched him work out? Pre- yeah, uh, yeah, because there was, um, there was this agency that had this pre-draft workout in this city at one of the private schools of uh, New York city. And I remember, I remember Tyler hero was there. Nas Reed was there. I wish I knew the agency that put this together, but I forgot the name of it, but you could just tell, like, there's no way this guy wasn't going to be an NBA guy. You know, like he, he could just, he could really do it all as a big. So that's, that's really cool that you got to see that because obviously he was undrafted out of LSU. He was a a major high school prospect, went to LSU, really fizzled out. Right. He didn't get drafted. So he kind of got to pick where he went. But um, I remember going and watching him in summer league. Like he did have all the skills, but physically, like I, we always joke, he couldn't jump over the free throw line, not jump from it. He couldn't jump over it. And that's painted onto the floor. Like he had no vertical, no real athleticism. And the 
amount of work he's put into his body. He's lost a ton of weight. He talks about all the time. He's really proud of how far he's come. He's a legitimate backup center. I mean, he would start on probably, you know, eight to 10 kind of tanking lottery teams, but he can stretch the floor. He is, we kind of call him our generic brand, Colin Anthony Towns. Like he can shoot, he can defend a little bit, he can rebound. So he, he's been one of our success stories. We love him. He also makes a very low amount that kind of, you know, helps bounce off the salary cap. So he's been one of our fan favorites. We love watching Nas. Most definitely. All right. I wanted to share, we focus on the young players often here. Um, the rookie of the year race is almost as uh, interesting as the MVP race. Um, I wouldn't be mad if Scotty Barnes or Cade gets it. And obviously a lot of people would have Evan Mobley in the mix. Jalen Green has been having a lot of 30 point games. Where do you land on the rookie of the year race? Well, as someone who watched their favorite rookie lose last year, I try not to get too concerned about it unless I'm like betting on it. But yeah. like, it's, it's okay. I, what I would say that is to the three, four, five other fan bases that don't win and get pissed off. Like you do have a special rookie because the rookie of the year class is I'm with you. I think Scotty Barnes would be my guy. I just like watching him play because he just reminds me of a legitimate Swiss army knife. He can do yes. 17 different things, but Cade Cunningham found his swag. Like that dude is starting to control games. Kind of like we talked about with Trey and Luca, like, but actually he get he gets a little rid of it a little bit earlier than those guys though that's, that's the good true part. that's true. just like you know like you would love to play with him because he 100%. Just, when he's on the floor he knows that kind of that chris paul mentality like he knows where to put the other guys right yes, i don't even know yes. where to go he's telling me where to go so he's been great um the wolves just played the rockets and uh jalen green was awesome i think he just needs yeah. to get a little bigger like stronger because I don't see him having the two-way ability that ant does because he's so skinny but he yeah. isn't electric electric jumper and electric shooter so i would i would lean towards scotty barnes because i also think if you can mix in like some success i mean Lamelo got some votes last year because his team was like leaking towards the play-in tournament while ants was 20 games below 500 so i do think winning affects a little bit but scotty barnes Cade cunningham it sucks that mobley got hurt because i think he would have ran away with it but um it's been an awesome class like it's been i love watching young guys perform really well early on at like 19 so those kids have been awesome this year. I actually did this poll. Who would you rather have for the rest of their career if you had a franchise, Cade or LaBello? And I did one on IG and one on Twitter, and they were different. And it, I don't know. I don't remember which one was which. But um, me personally, I would go with Cade. What, what do you think about that? I would go with Cade, too. It's nothing against LaMelo. I just 100%. think Cade will probably be able to defend a little more. And I still think there's like 10% of LaMelo that I still don't like. Maybe it's just poor shot selection. He's young, too, right? Like. I'm like yeah. a decade older than these guys. So they have time <laughs> to figure it out. But I just think the way there's something about Cade in just his like kind of basketball quarterback thing that he just is really good at. Um, and I just think that he is the type of guy. I also think about a lot of this. Who would I want to play more with? And mm -hmm. I just think I'd want to play with Cade. LaMelo is awesome. He gets the ball to his guys. But I think down the stretch, you can trust Cade to take over games. I don't know if I've seen that yet as much from LaMelo. I would agree. Kyle, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Enjoy the last um, five cups of coffee you have for the rest of the day. Uh, where, where, can, where can we find you on social media and everywhere else? I am at Kyle Tyge on Twitter. Uh, I'm site manager at Canis Supas. We have daily Wolves content. Um, but no, I appreciate you having me on. This was probably the coolest way to start my morning. So I appreciate you. Anytime. You're always welcome back on the show and talk soon. Thanks. Thank you to everyone who tunes into Combos Court across the globe. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. Big thanks to Kyle for joining in. We appreciate you. And be on the lookout for episode 355 Combo out.